0: (laughs) yo this is sam sports podcast it is tuesday december 19th 2017 guys we got to get ready for this playoff run we're getting so close there's only two more weeks of football left i got shaka back here to rip this thing apart shaka are you ready to talk about what the hell is going on with this playoff picture
1: it's getting really really tight
0: really dude really tight is an understatement all right Now, I know the AFC is, or the NFC's got a lot of question marks, but probably the biggest game of the season, if definitely this past weekend, was this Patriots-Steelers game. Patriots, I don't know what the hell, how much they sold their soul for, but they figure out how to win these fucking games every single week, and sometimes I just cannot wrap my brain around it. I mean, this definitely, this game delivered. It was exactly what we wanted. It was the matchup of the season, these two powerhouses going against each other, you know, Antonio Brown going down almost at the start of the game. Uh, and and really, the the Steelers playing without him for the bulk of the game. And a lot of these guys are saying the Steelers almost played a better game without Antonio Brown because they had to run the ball more. They had to keep Tom Brady off the field. Before we get into all the craziness that happened at the end of the game, um, part of the question I want to jump on with you here, Shaka, and I talked about this uh, before we, we started the podcast, was, you know, there's a lot of beliefs that the Steelers should have won this game, all right? There were a lot of opportunities for the Steelers to win the game, um, and they kind of, you know, like I said, somehow the Patriots pulled this fucking victories out of their ass. Uh, tell me right now, is this Patriots team enough to come back and defeat this Steelers team in the playoffs, like if they meet each other in an a- in an AFC championship game? Like, do you think that in round two, the Patriots can work this magic again? Tell me what you're thinking, Shaka.
1: Well, I don't think we'll, we're really going to know that definitively now, especially with uh, Antonio Brown having that torn – I think it was a torn calf muscle, so he's out for, they say, three weeks.
0: Yeah, they're saying three weeks. Week. Torn calf muscle? You're telling me the guy can come back and play in four or five weeks? Why it's do amazing. I not believe that?
1: It's amazing. I raised an eyebrow when I when I read that, but I said, okay. I mean, I would have to imagine the extent of the injuries probably not that bad. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm, I'm not a fucking doctor. I have no idea how you gauge these things. Um, look, we we said it last week and the week before that and the week before that, the Steelers have had a lot of close games. Yeah. Um, the fact that they had it with the Patriots uh, is the least surprising of all because the Patriots team is just are, are amazingly so damn good. Regardless of who you put on the field, they can put a goddamn a, a bag of moldy bread at left guard and I think they'll still be okay.
0: <laughs>
1: in the fourth quarter. Um, look, Tom Brady's amazing. I, I, if you ask me right now with Antonio Brown down the Patriots are a better team slightly. Uh and especially you have to the factor in uh poor Ryan Shazier. Oh boy. You know.
0: I mean cuz let's he, be real here this that Steelers D was world beating before he went down. I'm not saying it was all him but I mean they've lost solid, a bit man. of a step.
1: It was it was rock solid um and now you look Dion Lewis uh after Rex Burkhead took a a beating he looked he looked great out there at running back. They they really didn't have an answer in terms of uh the Patriots unrun run or pass game. Yeah. So the Steelers the Steelers have some 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 question marks on defense now, without Shazier in the middle. But look, the offense is still good. I, I've I've asked myself a few times this year. You know, Martavis Bryant earlier in the year was crying about uh not getting enough opportunities on offense. Yeah. He's got a chance now.
0: Yeah. You I know, mean, um, dude, he and Juju Smith Schuster—like, I—I I don't think we can really, we can't glaze over. It was sort of magical what happened when Brown went down. You saw Smith Schuster and Bryant catching long balls, and you saw Levy and Bell punishing them. Like, yeah. it almost feels like they slipped into a nicer game plan when Brown was out because you didn't have to rely on him to make these miracle catches.
1: I, I want to—I almost imagine part of it's also. The Patriots probably went in game planning for Antonio Brown because why wouldn't you game plan for Antonio Brown? Yeah, it's a good point. His dominance, you know, in, in every game, no matter who you put on him at defender, it, it's been it's been almost mind boggling. I, I try to think of the last time a, a receiver was this dominant, and I, I think of Randy Moss, but I also think of Randy Moss in terms of athletics mm. was absolutely dominant. You did no matter how high you threw, or how deep. He he outran you, he outjumped you, he did everything. I mean, Antonio Brown feels more like just a better route runner, a smarter receiver. He doesn't have anything in terms of physicality that makes him incredibly more dominant than any other wide receiver. It's just his mentality for the wide receiver position just makes him such a weapon. And I'm not surprised that the Patriots probably game plan to face him. And instead, you got to worry about Eli Rogers catching touchdown passes.
0: Yeah, come on. You know that they were not ready for that.
1: So I think I think I probably threw off the Patriots defense a little bit, which is fine. You know, um, obviously, the end result was still Patriots victory. But uh, I think the Steelers are going to have to to learn to play without the, the man. And you know what? The, the MVP chance are absolutely legitimate. And Tony Brown's been that fucking good this year.
0: Yeah. And, and, and now, uh, the story of 2017, every time we, we get close to anointing anybody with a, a season award, they go down. Wentz goes down, Deshaun Watson goes down, now Antonio Brown's going down. I That's mean, J.J. Really Watt, I mean, how many friggin' superstars are we going to lose this season? Too many. Now, let me ask you something about this, because I, uh, listen, I know that these Pat, the Pats and the Steelers really ripped each other apart. I think they exposed some things that both flaw, both teams clearly have flaws, And, you know, I I kind of want to start thinking about what other teams in the AFC can these teams be vulnerable about? Because we've started to walk towards this world of there's nobody in the AFC, but the Steelers and the Pats. Well, we got to start talking about the Jaguars. Um, And like, and now I was actually, maybe I don't want to get too much into it because we are going to talk about Blake Bortles later in the podcast, but you know, this Jaguars team, you can't just sort of be like wow, this is a fun story anymore because they're right up there with the Steelers and the Pats, okay? They're one game behind both of these teams. They beat the Steelers this year, which means they've got the tiebreaker over the Steelers. So if they have a finish with the same record, they get the bye and the Steelers have to play in wildcard weekend. And let's not let's not forget they have one of the best defenses in the league. This Jaguars team is hands down I mean, I think they're better than the Ravens. I think they're better than the Steelers. I think they're better than the Eagles' defense. I mean, holy shit good. And now, listen, we're going to get into Blake Bortles a little bit later, but this Jaguars team is frightening. And all of a sudden, I might see a situation where you see them getting to the AFC playoff game or upsetting a Steelers or a Patriots in a divisional round because this defense is so stiff. So I guess what I'm asking you is, You know, are you seeing any vulnerabilities that are going to upend the Steelers and the Patriots? Like, what is going to be the undoing for these teams?
1: Well, I can only think of one thing outright, and it's probably going to be on the defensive end. Uh, Their their offenses, I mean, regardless of who you put in, it's kind of a plug-and-play offense for both. So they'll be able to put up points. But on the defensive side,
0: I mean, the Patriots have been lackluster on defense for most of the season
1: yeah they've they've
0: looked they've looked better but they definitely have
1: improved but i I still feel you know um they face off against a legitimate you put a Leonard Fournette up against that that run defense and he's gonna get 100 yards still yeah
0: yeah and the patriots i don't think the patriots have a pass rush right now
1: no they really don't i honestly can't think of a single person maybe a linebacker that probably is a pass rush threat but even then they're not going to the pro bowl for that reason no, um, and that's probably the only glaring option. And again, like you said, Ryan Shazier is the you know the hole in the middle of that Steelers defense, and it kind of, not necessarily collapses, but it's definitely um, vulnerable now. So um, if anyone's going to get at these teams, it's to get up on them early, run the football. Because look, it almost worked for the Steelers last yeah. weekend. Yeah. Get up on them early, run the football, and just try to minimize you know as, as much as possible Tom Brady and maybe force them to run the football.
0: Do you uh do you have any comments on the end of that game? I mean number 1 the Jesse James catch non-catch which
1: I, I mean, think honestly that catch was I mean the call was right. And in the in the heat of the
0: moment you could look at it and go what the fuck. When you actually look back at the replay yeah
1: I I, I, I mean
0: I, as soon as part I part started part. to see the replay I'm sitting here going that's Austin Safarian Jenkins all over again. Yeah. I exactly. I I think I have take more issues still with the Safarian
1: Jenkins catch. I agree. Just absolutely is a mind fuck. But this one was more like okay, like you know, good good catch by the refs on the replay. This one was a little bit more fair.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's I I definitely think there is something to be said about that rule because I mean the guy caught the fucking ball. He caught it, and I understand that he was reaching over it. I mean I get it. I totally get it, but I'm just sitting here going, you've got to be kidding me. How are we still arguing about this? And
1: there's going to have to be something in the off season. A little bit more definitive on catches because you wouldn't have this issue with a running back. No. You know, in terms of you know losing possession of the football. But why is it so much different for a wide receiver after the catch? Yeah. Or not catch? You know.
0: Well, well, and all about like he has to you know establish possession and get his feet on the ground and make a football move. I.
1: Yeah. It has to be something solid that like you implement it, and next season we're not going to be like, oh my god, that was a catch last year. Come you know, on. like it's going to be so clear cut that it feels like the game has been completely altered at the receiver position. Just, just something a little more definitive on those those uh those knee down, you know, how long does he actually have to have the football in his hands for it to be considered a catch? Something definitive.
0: And it's it's just painful because listen, if none of that happened if it almost feels like an error in baseball. Like, baseball's sort of like, well, listen, you get an error because the ball was hit to the right fielder, and the right fielder, the sun got in his eyes, and he didn't, he didn't catch the ball. But he should have caught the ball, so there's an error for the team. It's like, that. Jesse James should have, if not had a touchdown, at least been down at the one-yard line.
1: Yes.
0: Like, what should have happened was that the Steelers should have been in a position to score a touchdown, if not have actually scored a touchdown and probably won the game. So, it's frustrating to me to sit here and be like, listen, everything about that play worked. The guy was open, and I guess if you really want to go to the letter of the law, technically he didn't catch the ball. But, I mean, you and I both watched it. He caught the ball. Come on now. I think at the end of the day, uh, I mean,
1: the the motivation for, you know, the NFL office to kind of go and really look at this is just this point right here. We should be talking about how good of a game that is, not about the controversy at the end yeah we shouldn't have to think about that we should just watch the game and you know break down what weren't right for the offense and defense not the rules
0: and you know something I got to tell you is that in some weird way the rules and the controversy is kind of stupid but that rule and that controversy led to what happened after that which was Big Ben throwing one of the most atrocious interceptions in the end zone to end the game
1: so brutal. And I mean, like again, you say Antonio Brown was in there. I mean, it's a completely different ball game. But you know what? You don't have him. And I mean, just it was it was kind of rough. But at the same time, it was almost it was almost just cruel, like a cruel, you know, just the universe playing a joke. Like, of course, you guys aren't going to beat the Patriots. Of course, you're going to throw an interception.
0: Oh, God. And just like the Super Bowl, that was straight up Pat Seahawks Super Bowl pass all over again. Oh, all right. Do we need to get off this game? Get out of here? Yeah, please. Let's go to, I'm going to jump right to the Seahawks and the Rams. The Rams statement game. Going into Seattle, beating the living shit out of the Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks are clearly not 100%. They've lost, Seahawks have been dismantled by injury right now. But after seeing my Eagles team go into Seattle and struggle against the Seahawks, I'm still just going to say it, man. It ain't easy to go into Seattle and win a game. So when the LA Rams go in and not just win a game, but put a whooping on the Seahawks, I think the whole league needs to take notice.
1: Um, look, the Rams are
0: like, are, can <laughs> the Rams win the Super Bowl? That's what we're that's what we're talking about right now.
1: When I, when I think of the old high um the high powered offensive old, mm-hmm. I'm not really thinking about them equating with this Rams team. But goddamn, if I shouldn't really start to, you know, Kurt Warner was Kurt Warner in that offense. Yep. But I mean, you got you got Todd Gurley who. Is a man amongst boys. Four
0: touchdowns the other day, man.
1: I mean, I have to imagine some of this is karma from those bad Jeff Fisher days where he was averaging like, you know, 65 yards rushing, mm. 23 carries, 24 carries, and getting absolutely nothing. I mean, this kind of have to be just redemption in its finest form.
0: And, uh, and I think right now we're seeing Sean McVay is going to be coach of the year. I, I mean – Dude, it's they hard. had they had, had like to... the worst yeah. offense in the league last year, and now they're the best offense in the league. This is a seventeen point turnaround. I mean, holy
1: shit! It's really hard to kind of go against that. I, I I'm I'm 100 in agreement. Like, if it's not McVay, I'm just really why not? You know?
0: Yeah, know. like what are the other coach of the year candidates? Doug Peterson? I mean, Peterson. not to. I mean,
1: to... Belichick maybe. But even then he's not near yeah, the top. Belichick's
0: like Greg Popovich, every year he should get it and they're never gonna give it to yeah, him. Yeah, it
1: should be mentioned. I Doug Peterson also should be definitely in that in that group.
0: I mean, hell, you might also want to say Mike Zimmer. I mean the Vikings have been shocking the world with Case Keenum and Latavius Murray.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I look at it almost the same way I look at the teams. The standout still has to be the Rams, just you know, a part of us at the beginning of the year I was like, Man, they look good. They look good. Yes. Yeah. is for
0: I mean, week one, when they put up 45 points on the Colts, I was sitting there going, is this real, or are they just playing the the Colts? And, I mean, listen, we've seen it happen all throughout the season. I mean, it was a hell – until Wentz went down, I mean, that was a hell of a game between the Eagles and the Rams a few weeks ago. And, I mean, the Eagles got out of it by the skin of their teeth, but that was still a close game, and they still put 30-plus points up on that Eagles' D. Which
1: is – look, all credit is due – the Rams, the defense is not really that hard to score, and it's so all credit to the Eagles for what they were able to do and still hang on and beat this team. So I think coming out this week, they probably, uh, the Rams had a little bit of an axe to grind, and they, they man, they took it out on the Seahawks. That was it was brutal. Yeah. It was absolutely brutal. Um, look, on the other side of the coin, Seattle, uh, I've used the, uh, the analogy before, but I feel like they're like that plane that's coming in on a crash landing. Like, they're just... They've given it everything they've got. They've got so many injuries. Yeah, too many injuries. They're, they're cutting guys. It's just, they're, like, they're out of gas. It's not, so much more than they're out of gas. They're just out of parts. You can't put anything else in this fucking thing to keep it together. No.
0: And and listen, uh, can we – I know they're still in the hunt, but, I mean, are they done? It's just uh, – the I mean, They're, is they're like, playing – they're going the to Dallas to play the Cowboys this weekend. Like, who wins that game? Need,
1: yeah, the scenarios they need to actually – still have a playoff shot it's just it's grim man
0: <laughs> I mean they listen be they're they're playing the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott's coming back
1: yeah he's back I mean which is I mean mind-boggling to think given everything that's happened this season with him fighting you know the NFL and Roger Goodell but he's he's, he's cleared to play and the Cowboys are still in the playoff hunt um so
0: if you had to pick the Seahawks or the Cowboys to make the playoffs who would you pick right now
1: have to go with the Cowboys on the sheer on the shift of attrition. They still have, you know, personnel. And look, Ezekiel Elliott and playing with Prescott. Yeah, and I think we're going to see Prescott at his best. He's he's looked. He's I mean, looked it's
0: a, a different, know, team different team with, with Elliott personal. in the backfield. They just draw. Yeah. They draw so much. He draws so much attention. He gives Prescott so much time to function. I mean, they really are a different team with with Elliott on the field
1: vastly a uh, difference. I, I think they're going to come back, revitalized. Look, we never said this Cowboys team was bad. I, I think um, we're all just amazed at how good of a combination, a good one-two punch uh, Elliott and Prescott have been. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not surprised to see um, that they return to form. Uh, and Look, I'm sure they probably have a grudge somewhat against Goodell, you know, in terms of uh, scrambling the season for them. So I expect them to come out and you know, punch anyone that they face in the face, and just uh, I I think they're gonna be like one of that that kind of uh surprise team in the playoffs. They might knock a few guys out.
0: Now, g- looking at this playoff picture for the NFC, because you know I think what's pretty true is this whole this NFC is wide open. Okay, you had the Eagles and the Vikings at the top of the NFC. Both of them are essentially going in with backup quarterbacks. Then you've got the Rams, who are essentially this upstart team that's shocking the world. You've got the Saints, who are, you know, a little bit of old, a little bit of new. you got Breeze with Kamara and Ingram. And then you throw in the Panthers, and then you've got the mystery six spot, which is going to be the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Lions, or the Seahawks. Yeah, the Detroit Lions are still in the mix. And i got news for you. The Detroit Lions hold the tiebreaker over the Cowboys and the Seahawks, if you want to really think about that one.
1: That's
0: disturbing. Um... So part of my question is who the, who the hell is going to get this sixth seed? And who is the team you don't want to face? Because right now, I'm starting to feel like the team I don't want to face is the Rams. Because they've got the D and they've got the offense. The Vikings, I think the Vikings is a frightening, frightening defense. But I do think that they can be slowed down on the offensive side of the ball. And that's where you can kind of get at them. So, yeah, Case
1: Keenum, Keenum would probably be their vulnerability. I would have to say I would have to go with you on the Rams is the scariest team because on offense and defense, they can they can absolutely put a beating on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been doubting the Panthers all season, and I mean,
0: I mean they're they're looking better, but I mean they've been up and down, up and down. They they play differently by each opponent they're playing. <laughs> And, you know, I really, you know, they're a different team now. Greg Olson was back and he looked really good and they were beating the living shit out of the Packers. But, I mean, that's what's been happening with the Panthers. The Packers are not a good team. You know, you kind of get a little deceived when you see the Panthers kind of put a whooping on them. I mean, the Panthers had a very impressive victory against the Vikings last weekend. And you remember the Panthers winning a last second, you know, beating the Patriots with a last second field goal. But then again... They look like dog shit Thursday night against the Eagles, a few, like a month and a half ago.
1: And you know what? They're still ten and four. They're and
0: still just, yeah, they're tied with the Saints.
1: It's mind-boggling just how they've been able to kind of hang with the punches and still be in it. And I, it's like I said last week. I really don't expect them to go all the way, but I think they're probably going to knock one team off of the wagon, you know, the championship wagon before mm-hmm. they go down.
0: I mean, yeah, they're, they're the as we go into these playoffs, you know, it's the lower-seeded NFC teams that have these established quarterbacks—the Saints with Drew Brees, the Panthers with Cam Newton, the Falcons with Matt Ryan. I mean, all of these teams are in the mix. Okay, the Saints and the Panthers both are ten and four, and the Falcons are nine and five. The Falcons win out; they win the fucking division. I mean, holy shit!
1: Which is disturbing as shit. It's probably going to be the most. I'm probably going to fly under the radar the most is the Falcons winning that division because they just have been so middling and so underwhelming and not impressive at all. Mm-hmm. This season. And still, they're still there. They still made it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still sort of kind of putting my money on the fact that I think the Falcons are going to squeak their way in before the Lions or the Cowboys or the Seahawks. I, I just think you know, as, as uninspiring as the Falcons have been, they're the most put together playoff team there that I think has the firepower. Like Seattle has fallen apart with just injuries. And listen, I think Dallas figures out ways to shoot themselves in the foot. Same thing with Detroit. That's fair.
1: Um,
0: all right, let's, uh, let's move on from here. Let's get to the last piece I wanted to talk about on today's podcast, which is uh quarterback performances. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about Nick Foles and Bryce Petty because that's our quarterbacks right now. We need to rip apart this discussion. But let's start with Blake Bortles. Um, Now, I I spoke to you a little bit earlier. We were going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, whether or not the Packers were going to ride with him. That decision's been made. They put him on IR. Brett Hundley's going to ride out the Packers season now that they're out of the playoffs. But Blake Bortles is a point of discussion. I talked about him earlier. Jaguars have the tiebreaker over the Steelers. They finish with the same record. They get the bye and the Steelers don't. Blake Bortles has actually looked good over the last three weeks. This was a guy where they were not having him not throw the ball at the beginning of the season. They were running the ball like crazy. He was essentially a game manager, and I think everybody you know, in Jacksonville was just trying to be like, all right, let's just see how this goes for a season and then reassess things after this season's over. Okay. Jaguars team has, done, has, has put together a hell of a season, and Bortles all of a sudden looks like a legitimate quarterback. Are we going to be deceived? Are the Jaguars going to retain him for next year? Like, Shaka, if you were the GM of the Jaguars, do you keep Bortles for next year? Because I guess if you don't, what the hell is the alternative and what's your strategy for next year's quarterback? Like, what do you think is going to happen here?
1: Well, Bortles has put the Jaguars organization in a very precarious uh, position right now. Over the last three games, he's got nine touchdowns, no picks. He looks fucking amazing. And he's doing
0: it with undrafted free agents. Look, I actually, there's a really good article I have to send you on ESPN where um, – do you know who the quarterback, the wide uh, receivers coach is? Uh, no, been, I don't.
1: It's Keenan McCardell.
0: Get the – are you kidding me? I'm completely serious. He's the wide um, receivers coach out there. I love it. And it's, a really, it's a really good article about
1: how he's been able to kind of manage the, their skeleton crew of wide receivers and keep them, like, fighting. So, I mean, it, it it really, really caught me off guard. I hadn't heard his name in a long time.
0: So, I, I hadn't heard his name since he caught a touchdown for the Chargers.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's a good read. But um look, I, I, I really I don't think anyone saw this coming clearly. Um the Jacksonville Jaguars do have uh an option year on Bortles, which I think Where um,
0: I think they pay him nineteen million next year.
1: Yeah, they exercise the option, you pay him nineteen million. I
0: mean, my God, just
1: it's a really tricky again, it's very precarious. Do you let him go? Which seems not very likely because he knows the system. He's got chemistry with these wide receivers and these coaches um he's been there for years really now when you think about it he's yeah. been there for years
0: this is season four with Bortles and I mean you let Bortles go and what do you do what's your what's your plan be you Chad Henney husband? yeah I mean yeah Eli Manning great. or what Mike Glennon like who are the who are the hot shot you know quarterbacks that are out there on the market what do you trade for Drew Brees do you wrestle Joe Flacco away from the Ravens? Like. I mean what what or you, or do you go to the draft? You go to the draft yeah, and look at, like, you know, these guys yeah, who are coming out like Darnold and Rosen. So, and it's not necessarily a contract year for
1: Bortles, but it's a contract year in just that sense where if he just keeps up this uh, you know, this streak of just really playing, you know, hassle-free, mistake-free football. Mistake-free football. He he really is in the driver's seat. He's in the control. He's got all the leverage in this situation. Uh, I mean, it's mind-boggling. I, a year ago, you and I were making Blake Bortles jokes,
0: dude. We, but I mean, it's it's a verb. His last name. The guy's been bordeling games for the last three seasons.
1: And 2017 has been a very, very interesting year for multiple reasons. So you really have to kind of, you got to give him credit, man. I, I really didn't see this coming. We've always talked about the potential of the Jaguars to be a good team. They've always had the defense. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they finally put it together this year, and they're really, really scary.
0: Yeah. I, I think some of this has got to be coaching, though. you got to look at Gus Bradley, because he had this team for four years, and he really couldn't do anything with it. You bring a new coaching staff in, and wow. Like, it feels like the Rams of the AFC. Like, you really needed a different coaching staff in here to get the most out of this squad.
1: Yeah. I, look, I – I'm still, I'm still like speechless. Well, you can tell I'm speechless right now. I have no <laughs> words to describe how they really kind of put it all together. I mean, and look, I, I, defense, I think-
0: defense, 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 man. They focused on making that defense one of the best in the league.
1: There's tons of money in it. And look, potentially this team's built to do another two or three years of, you know, of competitive run. Mm-hmm. This question now is, is Bortles for real? And will he stick around?
0: I, um, you know, I, I hate to say that I think they should hang on to him, but I think what's going to happen is you keep him. I, you can't, you can't just go into next season and cut him. Like you have to, at least, I think right now, listen, it's financially worth it to retain him, to give him one more look, because I think if next season he, he completely falls apart and the wheels come off the wagon, then they'll 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 put Chad Henney in. They'll keep their defense rolling, and they know that all they really need is a game manager. And they'll start looking for the future. But
1: look, at, uh, it's just crazy
0: that, to think that yeah, right now there's about a ninety percent chance he's coming back next year.
1: Consider this: Kirk Cousins has been franchised oh my several God. times by the Redskins. Uh, and in terms of a potential team, the Redskins weren't even as good as the Jaguars team is in one of those years. Yeah, so, I mean. What do you do? Do You give Kirk Cousins a long-term deal? No, you you give this guy his option year. You let it, you you try to see if he can reproduce these same results in another season. And you you really need to know if this is for real or not. I think that nineteen million is worth it. You know.
0: All right. I I have
1: no better no better option right now for these guys in terms of look the NFL's got a dearth right now of seasoned quarterbacks, and I'm unfortunate to say it. Blake Bortles has started plenty of games. He's technically seasoned. Yeah.
0: And I mean, and he's healthy. He's leading yeah. a team to the playoffs. He's, I mean, in a lot of ways, we it we can't talk shit anymore, man. He's doing what they're asking him to do. And over the last couple of weeks, he's stepping up with his arm. Now they've been playing some dog shit defenses, but I mean, if he's able to make two or three giant pass plays in the playoffs, and they're able to beat a team like the Patriots or the Steelers with Calais Campbell and Marcel Darius and AJ Bouye. I mean, this it's it's, Super Bowl. This is that's what I'm talking about. Like Jaguar Super Bowl.
1: It's a Super bowl of team. I'm uh, 100% with you on
0: that. I my like, I just can't believe we're saying this right now, man. Okay. Uh quarterback's quarterback's quarterbacks. Bryce Petty. You watched the game? Yes. Give me your take.
1: Okay. Um I used the term career backup once when I spoke about Bryce Petty. And after watching this past game, I still kind of feel in that same zone. Okay. Bryce Petty's got a pretty solid arm. He made a couple of nice pinpoint accurate plays. But um, one of the things I found out is that in all of his college games, he only played out of his shotgun, which explains a lot about his three-step drop. He looks he looks I almost I wanna say he looks like a rookie, but he just doesn't look comfortable in the three step drop mm. more often than not. I mean there was one interception he threw that was legitimate, you know, um, just a heads up play. Uh it bounced off of uh someone's helmet and went straight up and a defender caught it. Yeah. Uh, another time it just looked it looked like a, you know, the, yeah, this guy hasn't had much experience on the field kind of mistake. Um now that being said, the Jets did as much as they could to kinda of implement the run game and you know, use the run games to kind of set him up and make him feel comfortable. But I, I still kind of feel like I need to see more of Bryce Petty to be confident that he really knows how to run this offense. That's one thing. If we're talking about the Jets overall. Mm-hmm. I would like to see Christian Hackenberg once this year. Did he dress? He uh, he
0: he's the he's the number two. He he did dress as the number two quarterback.
1: He's the backup. Yes. Okay. He,
0: um, he wasn't wearing like a hoodie with like an earpiece in.
1: I mean, probably. I really didn't imagine that the Saints defense would beat up on Petty uh, much. But, I, I, look, I'm not hoping against hope that Petty goes down to force Hackenberg into a game. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Okay. And uh, Todd Bowles has notoriously been known for liking his quarterback's seasoned as well. So, I mean, Petty's is probably the best option he's got. So, he's, he's said it already. He You know, expect to see Bryce Petty start. There's no... Um, there's no mention of Petty being sat at halftime or anything like that in favor of Hackenberg. We're gonna see Petty for the rest of the year.
0: In your opinion, is Christian Hackenberg on the roster come week one of next year?
1: I can't really I can't really say that
0: he's gonna get cut because it just seems like who 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 are they gonna give the job to? It seems
1: bizarre to have a number two draft pick. Who you've been grooming? And he's been called a project from day one. Um, not see an actual game time snap, and then just be cut. It's almost like flushing a pick down the drain. Yeah. Because think of how many people were available in that draft in the second round, and you just uh, I have to hold my head in my hands, you know. So I, I I can't imagine in good conscience that management would just piss away this pick. And have to answer to the media about. Or just deal with the New York City criticism. (laughs) You know. Just really. There's just. not necessarily pride. But they have to kind of show. A solid face on this one. They got to let him. Develop a little more. I think he gets one more year. Hopefully he gets some fucking snaps in the next year. But we'll see.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you think Josh McCown is on the roster next year?
1: I certainly hope so. Um, I think he's done more than enough this year. To kind of merit you know, another shot. Okay. Um, Even if he's just a backup, I would like to see him back with the Jets.
0: Okay. Um, Here, last thing I think I'm going to close this with, I'm going to talk about Nick Foles a little bit because I watched that game against the Giants. Um, Eagles were a different team with Nick Foles under center. Okay, this offense was different. He is much less mobile than Carson Wentz. He is a pocket passer. That guy gets back there, he goes through his progressions, and he makes the pass. If they're covering uh, all of the receivers... He's going to throw a pass, and it's going to be incomplete. Um, so there was much more of a start and stop to the offense because as soon as things would get going, there'd be an incomplete pass. And also, many instances where they were hiking the ball with like 17 seconds on the play clock. You know, there's really much less audibles. There's much less sort of checking of the defense. Like, I don't think Foles can process as much as Carson Wentz can. Um, I was expecting, now, at the same time, he takes shots down the field. All right. Now, not that Carson Wentz doesn't, but there was much like you look at his yards per attempt, man. He was going for it. First down plays. He was throwing balls, 15 yards. He was throwing balls, 20 yards on second down. Like he definitely is not afraid to take shots and to get chunk yards. Like it became much more about chunk yardage with this Eagles offense. You know, uh, the run game I thought would be featured more really wasn't featured more. Um, they again. They was it was much more about chunk yardage, and it kind of felt a little bit like Chip Kelly's offense. Sort of this fast moving, up tempo, you know, long passes, but yet you know, if, it's sort of like if one play doesn't go their way, the whole drive just falls out from underneath them. Uh, and something else I really need to highlight here is Foles didn't do a bad job. You know, he is definitely not a backup quarterback where you fall off a cliff. Like, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, like when Jay Cutler went down in Chicago and like Caleb Haney came in, like, you know, or Carson Palmer goes down and Ryan Lindley comes in. Like, you know, those are guys where, holy shit, this guy can't even play quarterback and the team is just helpless. That was not the case with Foles. You got to give him credit. He is competent. He can make passes. He, he's good at, de- you know, he can make good decisions. He wasn't throwing picks. But we look at the stats, and he threw four touchdowns the other day. Wow, holy shit, four touchdowns, no interceptions. You need to also think about the fact two of, those, two of those drives started in the red zone, okay? There was an Eli Manning interception where they got the ball in the 20-yard line, and Nick Foles throws a touchdown. Then there was a, a blocked punt where the Giants are punting the ball, the Eagles block it, and they get the ball in like the 12-yard line touchdown pass from Nick Foles. So there's a little bit of an inflation with some of his stats. But I must say, he wasn't the th- he wasn't the story of this game. The story of this game was the Eagles' defense. They looked like yeah. shit. Okay, the Eagles' defense played uninspired football. I was sitting here with Campbell, my wife, saying, um, "This defense is not playing well. They don't play. They don't look like they're going with passion. They were missing tackles. I mean, they really needed to take a long, hard look in the mirror because I feel like they were hung over after the Wentz injury coming into this game." I mean Eli Manning threw over 400 passing yards on these guys and you know he was really able to kind of bring them back and drag them back into the game. The only way the Eagles win this game is because they were playing the 2 and 12 Giants because the giants kept making mistakes that like the eagles were able to block an extra point the eagles you know at the end of the game the giants are losing by 2 points and the eagles are able to block a short field goal by the giants i mean the giants are just so damn bad they've got problems across the board that they figured out a way to lose um so the the eagles victory is exciting it kind of It reminded me the fact that Foles is a real quarterback. The Eagles are totally not just dead in the water and that, you know, listen, it feels good for them to win and they can still win a game even without Carson Wentz, but this was a different team and that defense has really got to take them a long look in the mirror and play better than the way they did because if they play the way they did this past Sunday against the Giants, they're not going anywhere in this playoff race. (sighs) Okay, those are my thoughts on Nick Foles. Some of what I saw. Jaka, any particular thoughts that you had on Nick Foles? Any questions you have for me?
1: Well, touching on what you said there, um, where it looks like very much like a Chip Kelly kind of offense. I uh, said so last week, I was like, if you want, if you want Nick Foles to come in and feel comfortable, you got to put him in a comfortable position. And he had his best season as a starting quarterback under Chip Kelly. Yeah. So I think they 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 put him in the best position for him to succeed. And yes, he doesn't have the kind of footwork that um, a Carson Wentz would. We still got a great arm. I fucking hate seeing quarterbacks with gloves on when they throw the football. (laughs) I don't know why I get so worked up about it. But, I mean, he he made some pretty good throws, gloves or not, uh, overall throughout the game. And also, you know, credit to the Eagles receivers, uh, who really stepped up, right down to Burton. Mm -hmm. uh, Great job of just, uh, just getting themselves open, giving them opportunities to make good plays. I actually think the Giants probably, at least on offense, Played one of their stronger games. I don't know how much of it you want to throw towards the Eagles' defense. Fine, I can understand why you're upset. Mm-hmm. But I thought Eli, I thought the play calling was a lot more. Um,
0: I agree. Aggressive. It was. It time. was. I feel like you can already feel that Ben McAdoo is not running the team because I thought the yeah. play calling was very uninspired when Ben McAdoo was re, was leading the Giants.
1: I particularly remember one play um, when they ran a motion with uh, Evan Ingram, and he actually ran the football for 14 yards. I, I, I was. My eyes bulged because I just did not see that coming. But when you look at Evan Ingram's build, you know, it's entirely possible that you can run some of those type of plays the same way that on um, the Seahawks do with their wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that. Um, I, I think the only probably mistake on the Eagles defensive side was that one big gain um that they gave up to Sterling Shepard on yep. the sideline. Really yep. bad tackle. Yeah, and,
0: and again, broken tackle.
1: I thought that was a pretty, um, uh, you know, just a bad defensive play. But besides that, I mean, I think the Giants, they played a little bit more inspired. Also mine, Sterling Shepard's been kind of, he's missed like maybe three or four games this year with migraines. Yeah. He hasn't really had a chance to be on field with Eli really for much of the season.
0: And he's a talent, man. He's like, listen, Odell, Brandon Marshall, yes. Brandon Marshall's not going to be around next year, but Odell will be around. But I'm telling you, man, if Odell's getting double teams, you better watch yourself. (laughs) Sterling Shepard is going to get some touchdowns.
1: It's legit, and that young guy, Tavares King, I mean, he just looks so undersized for that position. There was a player I remember watching in the University of Miami who was super fast. I think his... Bro- actually, you know what? I think it was Santana Moss's brother, um, Sonoris, mm-hmm. who uh, actually got drafted, but he was so small. Like, cause, you know, Santana Moss was undersized at wide receiver, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. His brother was like him, except like 20 or 30 pounds lighter. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know?
1: I'm sure and he was I- fast. I-, I look at Tavares King, and he's the same, you know... The same kind of bill, And he's just, I mean, he's hes had a few games in the uh, in the NFL where he's made some big plays and had some big touchdowns. But uh, it's just laughable. This is like what the Giants team is fielding versus what they started off the season with, which is this lineup of just killers at wide receiver. And now it's just, you know. I mean, there's such a sh- I just did not think the Giants shift.
0: were going to fall this fast, this far, this fast.
1: It's just a graveyard shift of players on that team right now. <laughs>
0: All right, man. I think we got to get the hell out of here. We um, got to get ready for this week 16. Got to get ready for Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hopefully you got all Merry your Christmas. your Christmas shopping in. Um, but listen, we got to enjoy the holidays as well as much as we're going to stuff in. the. You know, we've been talking about the playoff picture. We're curious how it's going to look. We didn't even get into the fact that the friggin' Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills are currently in the playoff picture right now. Tennessee Titans are the most the shittiest goddamn team I've ever seen. That is actually going to make the playoffs this year.
1: I don't know what happened to them. Like, this is the same team as it was last year, and they're just—it's just not good dude, at all. Dude,
0: when I talk about a t- inconsistency, the Panthers being inconsistent. Uh-uh. The Tennessee Titans are the team that takes the cake when it comes to inconsistency. Man, they couldn't even beat the Niners the other day, and Jimmy G is starting to turn some heads in San Francisco. Three and and0 Three and and0 baby. All right, guys, we're getting out of here. Enjoy this week's slate of games. As I always say, subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Email Shaka and I with any mailbag questions or just to talk trash with us at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Guys, we got to get the hell out of here and uh, celebrate some Christmas and uh, eat some uh, cookies and milk for uh, Santa and uh Get your stockings up, see some family, take a few days off, enjoy the cold weather. And uh, listen, We're gonna next week, we're not coming on Tuesday, we're coming on Thursday. Thursday, December 28th, we're going to take a few extra days off for the holidays to see some family and uh, digest week 16. But we'll be back to talk about the playoff picture on Thursday. So enjoy yourselves, enjoy the holidays, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. Happy
1: holidays, guys. Enjoy the games.